We are continuing on in uh, the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. And you remember we divided up those three high, pious issues that the Jews focused on. And that was uh, giving, alms, or helping the poor, and praying. And today it's fasting. And each one of those that Jesus addressed, uh, he points out how they were hypocrites. Uh, and it's, it's no different with fasting. Anything become as we're going to see, and we got to back up a little bit. Uh, we're not just going to start in Matthew chapter 6, 18. That's where we're going to end up if we hurry. Uh, we realize uh, we have about a quarter of the time we need, uh, but uh, Danny is good to put uh, the notes up on the web page if you want to look at them because there'll be a, a lot of them that we will not get to cover. Uh, but we're backing up to the Old Testament and looking at what was going on with the fasting because Jesus writes in Matthew chapter 6, in uh, 16 through 18, as a corrective, because the whole concept of fasting had become a sham, uh, and it was a show. And so, and, and if you re- if you remember this, when Jesus corrects it, you have to remember he grew up in it, so he would have known those Jewish laws that were created that make it mandatory that you fast. And so he would have grown up m- being made to fast. Every one of these things, prayer, giving, he grew up in that. So he knew exactly. So when he comes and he writes against it, you, you have to remember, he was just not against it. He just seen how it had degenerated down to a sham. Uh, and that's what it was. So that's, he's writing and it's corrective. But we're going to back up real quick to see exactly how fasting was messed up early on. You know, and, and this is true. It is, it is shockingly amazing how easy we as human beings get deceived with religious things. You know? All you have to do is turn on television and just a fraction you can see it. I mean, churches all, all over the place. They do all these religious things, and they think that religious thing is, going, is what God wants. And it's not. It's not what He wants at all. And that's exactly what happens. So many things that start off right, and you have the right incentive, and you say, oh, yeah, this is going to help me so I can get to this place where God wants me, it becomes an idol if you're not careful. Uh, and that's what, that's what happened here. Same thing with fasting. It starts as an aid, and then it can turn into one of three things. It becomes legalism where you just say, well, I've just got to do it. Or it can become self-righteousness where when, once you're doing it, you say, well, my goodness, look how spiritual I am. And then you start to thinking, well, it, it is so important that you, it becomes a superstition thing for you. For example, if you're a journaler, I'm not. You know, I keep all my thoughts in my head. I don't want to write them down where somebody else can see them. That would be a scary thing, wouldn't it? I'm not against journaling, by the way. It's very, very helpful, they say. I don't know. I've never done it. Well, you all try it. Maybe so. You can start out journaling, and, and it can be good and helpful. You're writing down things, and you're keeping up with things. But here's what can happen. What can happen is you start to doing it, and you start feeling, oh, man, this is, you know, I'm, I'm spiritual. And you start looking around to people who do not journal, and you say, well, I'm more spiritual than they are. So you're becoming self-righteous. You're comparing yourself to other people. And then you get so caught up in it that you just say, well, I've just got to do it. So it becomes legalism. Well, you really don't feel like it, and you really don't see any, but you just, you've in it so deep now that it just becomes something you have to do, so you've made it a legal, a legal thing. 
Or you say, well, there's really something about this. There's something about this that it just does something to me, so it becomes superstition. When it gets to that point, you need to quit journaling. Because you have just surpassed everything that thing was there for. That's exactly what happens with praying, with giving, or with fasting. You might start off right, but if you're not careful, boy, that's exactly where to go. One of those three things. That's what Jesus is correcting. That's what was going on. That's what had happened uh, to them. <clears throat> it had become just a religious nonsense in later time. Well, here's the situation. You remember in, in uh, Numbers chapter 14? God had delivered the people out of Israel. They were wandering around in the wilderness. And Lord and behold, can you believe God's people would ever gripe and complain? They were griping and complaining. God said, enough of that. So he sent fiery serpents on them. And they were biting the people, and they were dying like flies. You know, one of the chosen episodes shows that. Moses is in there, and Caleb's there with him, and he's making the serpent of bronze. And, and Caleb is saying, what in the world are you doing? He said, I quit asking questions. I just started doing what God said. So all these people were dying. And, and so Moses went to God, and this is where it always starts. He says, we have sinned. Nothing ever changes until you say that. Until you see in your life, sin is there. Nothing can be fixed. So he goes to God, and God says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go and take uh, brass. Brass was a symbol of judgment. He says, go and take brass and make it a serpent, bronze, and make it look like a serpent, and put it up on the pole in the middle of the 12 tribes. You know, they would divide up the 12. Put it out there in the middle and tell everybody, if they will have enough faith to look at it, they'll be healed. That's all he had to do. Well, if you don't think there's a salvation message in that, you say, how could the snake, how could the thing that was killing them heal them? That's the same thing it is. The same thing that heals you will judge you. Jesus is exactly what that is. It was a picture of Christ on the cross. By faith, you trust him and you look at it. So they did. But you know what happened? When Hezekiah comes along, he destroys it. Why? Because the people started worshiping the bronze snake. It became an idol. Anything became an idol. A house, a car, a person. Money, anything can. Fasting, oh, well, that's a religious thing. It never turned into that. Oh, absolutely. That's why Jesus is confronting it. It became a religious thing, and Hezekiah destroyed it. Why? They lost sight of what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be to help them, and now they started worshiping it. Happens all the time. It happens in all kind of forms of uh, spiritual discipline. You know, uh, I don't know if you've ever read uh, Foster's book on celebration of discipline, and he talks about that, how you have to be careful. Uh, Richard Foster how this is what it's supposed to be, but you've got to be careful because this is what it can end up. And that's exactly what happens, whatever it is. If it's journaling or whatever thing you're trying to do to help you, be careful that it doesn't become legalistic, self-righteousness, or superstition. And those are always one of the places that they go to, always. When that happens, it's time to quit whatever you're doing. You say, God, I'll let this get out of hand. And the main thing is that you see it. There's a lot of people that go into all these. Well, let's go ahead and read a couple of verses, and it explains it. The Old Testament fast, there was really only one, Day of Atonement. Remember the Day of Atonement? You go to Leviticus. It's the day when the whole nation of Israel comes out there, and the priest kills the animals, and he's using blood to pay the price for the nation in general. 
But now that each individual still had to sacrifice themselves every day if they sinned. It doesn't cover all your sins. It just covered the nation's sin for a year, and then they had to come back and do it. So everything in there is talking about uh, what was supposed to be taking place. That's the only time when it's talking about everybody uh, fasting. This is the verse. And it shall be a statute forever unto you in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month. Ye shall afflict your souls. That's where we get the word from. You don't ever see the word fast. You know, you see the concept there, uh, but it means afflict. It means you're, you're broken, you're denying. They were supposed to be so consumed with what, what was going on was God was holy. They were sinners. The sacrifice was being offered for them. You need to focus on it. You don't need to eat. You don't need to do anything else. This is what you're supposed to do. And that's the only time you'll see one. A lot of people come along to this day and say, oh, well, you have to fast. It's not a mandate. You can't find it anywhere. Should you do it? If the circumstances are right, you will. But are you doing it for the right reason? If you want to surmise in one sentence the whole thing about this today, it is simply this. Do things for the right reason. That's it. That's what he's saying. You know, when you fast, make sure you're doing it for the right reason. That you're not doing it for a show. Because it's so easy to let this spiritual thing, because everybody wants somebody to pat them on the back and say, oh, you're doing real well. And before long, what? You're doing it just so they'll pat you on the back. So you've just lost sight of what you're supposed to. You've just become a hypocrite. That's what he's talking about. It's it's been a problem. For on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you from all your sins. Shall you be clean before Jehovah. It is a Sabbath of a solemn rest unto you, and you shall afflict. There's that word again. It is, that's your focus. You know, fasting is simply, and you see it throughout the Old Testament. They fast during times of war. They fast during times of grief. Whenever they're consumed with something, but it's never mandatory. It's just that they're so concerned about what's going on, they don't want anything to eat. They just want to focus on talking to God and see if God will help them with whatever's going on in their life. And still, that's what it's supposed to be about. It's not, it's not about a show. And is he going to say it in just a minute? Really, no one should ever even know you're fasting. Boy, that's, a, that's not the way it goes nowadays. A lot of people that I've known in the past, if they're fasting, they want you to know it. That's exactly the opposite of what he says. There were some days, other than the Day of Atonement, where some things were to talk about they were fasting, but it's never mandatory. You know, Jesus says, but he does say in, verse, in the verse we're going to read, he says, when you fast. So he's absolutely saying there will come times when you'll be so broken that you'll want to focus on nothing but me so you won't want to eat. You know, if you've ever had a really hard thing in your life take place, you'll know that that's sometimes when you don't want to eat, right? Kind of, that's what that is. When you're broken and you say, I just can't eat anything right now. This is on my mind. But the thing that's on your mind is you're getting in touch with God to try to find out what he's going to do and what you want him to do and what does he want you to do. So that's the focus of it. That's all it's about. It was a means of asking God to give pity and to relent. And, you know, there were some big things that happened when people fasted. Remember with uh, uh, Jonah and Nineveh? When he preached, what happened? They fasted and prayed. And what? My goodness. The whole place turned around. You know? It's a focus. I mean, that's what it's talking about. It's a, it's a focus. But it's not something that everybody is supposed to know. In Isaiah 58, he talks about condemning what a, a bad fast is about and what a good fast is. And he gives us some verses in there. He describes what it's supposed to be. The first is bound up with hypocrisy. He said, people maintain their fast, but they're still fussing with their family. 
Basically, what he says in these verses, oh, yeah, you're going through these religious days and you're doing all these things, but you're not taking care of the poor people. You're still fighting in your family. It hasn't changed anything in your life, so what's the purpose? And so he condemns them, actually, for that. That's exactly what he's saying. They're, they do not stop exploiting their workers. These religious people, oh, they're, they're fasting. We tried fasting, and it kind of it was that superstitious. It was like magic. Well, we tried that, but it's not working. So they quit. So uh, if you read the whole thing, boy, God, he gets them pretty big. <laughs> On a superficial level, they seem to have a hunger for God. Oh, yeah, we're going to fast and we're going to pray. But how are you treating your wife? Oh, we're going to fast and we're going to pray. How are you treating your mom and daddy? Don't talk about, oh, we love Jesus and you're disrespectful to your mom and dad. Oh, that don't go together. Kind of what he's talking about, same thing. We can put on religious fronts and not be doing the things that are important. And that's exactly what he condemns them for here. Because I've kept the fast. God has to bless me. That was their mentality. No, he doesn't. God doesn't have to do anything. And he sure doesn't have to do anything if you're doing something for the wrong reason. Such thinking is both terribly sad and evil. Why? Because you're being misled to think that God is satisfied with something that you've let slip into a nothing that God doesn't like. The fast that pleases God is marked by a change in your life. That's what repentance means. You've been acting like a fool over here and now you're not. You've been cheating everybody disrespectfully and now you're not. It means change. You know, there's a lot of people who talk a big game, but ask somebody in the family, how are they doing? That's where you know. You know, that, there has to be some change starting to take place. All it doesn't happen in one day. We, yeah, we know that. Not only does it turn away from self-indulgence, but it actively, he says, you should be doing these things. All these things were going on, and none of those things were happening. All this malicious talk with one another. I guess if you're going to do that, you'd have to get away from Instagram and Facebook. Boy, ain't that right? I don't know any other greater tool that the devil can use than those two. And Twitter. You know, all of them. Well, everything... That's exactly what he's talking about. Is fasting good? Yeah, but you better be careful. Because it can be nothing. <laughs> fasting in the Old Testament was abused. You know, you, you look at the intertestament period in Maccabees and Estradus, and you'll see that the Jewish rabbis have made it mandatory for you to fast two days a week on certain days. Luke talks about it. When Jesus said, oh, yeah, these Pharisees, they fast two days a week. Why? They'd made a law out of it. Oh, you have to fast. It really doesn't mean anything, but you've got to go through the motions. And that's exactly what he does. Instead of an act of getting right with God myself and focusing on who I am with him. Oh, I have to do it. That's legalism, you know. That's like, we still do these things, right? Oh, my goodness. You know, the preacher can't preach if he doesn't have a tie on, right? Some of y'all come out of that background like us. For, what, 40 years of your life, you never saw a preacher preach without a tie on. God can't speak. <laughs> that's so funny our homiletics teacher he believed that he made us go stand in, in the pulpit of uh, First Baptist Church and with a tie on read God's word he said that's how you have to do it <laughs> if he could see us now I think he's dead now bless his heart he's a good man he just missed that one you know and, and that's the way it was and it's the same thing it's really no different you say well that's not the same yes it is why, here's the question, why do we do what we do? That's what Jesus wants to know. Are, are you doing it for yourself, 
Are you really doing it for God? If you're doing it for God, no one else has to know. They may learn. If you do some things, it may come about. Fasting especially. Uh, and We have to hurry or we're never going to get to the end, right? It became externalized, and it was an empty ritual. They just did it, but it didn't mean anything. They weren't thinking about their own sins before God. What did one of the Pharisees say to Jesus' quotes? He says, I thank you, God, that I'm not like this uh, Gentile. I pray fat, uh, I uh, pray twice, I fast uh, twice a week and pray every day. What is that? Legalism? Thought he was better than somebody else just because he went through the motions, even though he hated this guy. So the prophets cry out against this craziness. That's exactly what they did. Isaiah did. Jeremiah. Jeremiah. He said, Yahweh said this. Oh, they're fasting, but I don't hear them. I don't hear them. You know, if you're going through a ritual routine and it doesn't mean anything, forget that God is even listening to you because he's not. That's exactly what this is saying. You've got to get serious. You think God's going to waste his time when he knows you're playing a game? You think he's going to waste his time telling me something when he knows I'm not going to do it? You know, he's, he said, I, it's kind of like this. I ain't got time for that. <laughs> I'm looking for somebody who, you know, what does the scripture say? It says what in Chronicles? It says, the Spirit of the Lord is roaming all of the world, trying to find someone whose heart is right, so that he can do mighty things through him. God's not going to waste his time on us if we're playing games. And this is what Jesus deals with. They're playing fasting games. He said, oh, no, no. Zechariah deals with the, the same issue. You remember Zechariah? He comes back. Remember, they've been in Babylon for 70 years, and now some of them are going back to Jerusalem. They're trying to build a temple back, and Zechariah is a priest, a young guy. And they send delegates back from Babylon to say, we want to get in touch with you guys in Jerusalem. We want to do the same church stuff you do. Basically, that's what he's saying. It's liturgy. It's, well, are we fasting on the right days and we're doing the right stuff and we're doing this stuff? That's the question that they're asking. So they send him delegates uh, to ask this question. <clears throat> and this is how he's going to answer it. Uh, and it, it wasn't real positive because uh, he takes them back to what they were doing beforehand. And how he answers was not just, yeah, do this. Boy, he blasted them. He said, why are you asking me? The prophets that sent you to Babylon was trying to tell you to do these things, and you didn't listen. You going to listen now? I'm, sur I'm, I'm surmising that for you just a little bit. But basically, that's what he's saying. In this chapter, chapter 7, he provides you exactly how he answers that. <clears throat> and it says, And it came to pass in the fourth year of King Darius that the word of Jehovah came unto Zechariah in the fourth day of the ninth month, which is Cheslip. And the, they sent people from Bethel to him to ask that we want to do the right thing. What is it we should do? And he says, speak unto the priests and tell them, and this is what you say to them. They said, should I weep in the fifth month? Oh, what is that? That's legalism. Well, do we have to do this on this day? Separating myself as I've done all these years while I've been in Babylon, in prison? Then came the word of the Lord, Jehovah of hosts, unto me, saying, Speaking to all the people of the land and to the priests, saying, When you fasted, while you were in Babylon, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and the seventh months, even these 70 years, did you do it for me? Or did you just do it as a religious show? That's what he's asking. Well, you know, when you do something now, do you make sure somebody knows about it? If that's what you're doing, you're not doing it for God. That's exactly what he, oh, what do you call that a, a rhetorical question? <laughs> oh, he has the answer, and he knows they're guilty. So he's condemning them and said, wait a minute, why do you even want to know this? You've already been disobeying this thing all these years. Are you sure you want me to tell you? Who were you doing it for? What was it? And when you ate, 
And when you drank, did you do it for yourselves? Do we do things for our own religious agenda, or do we really do it so that God will be glorified? That's the question. The question, why do you do what you, if you do anything, why do you do it? A lot of people don't worry about it because they don't do anything. But if you do something, you always have to ask, why? You know, our little dog, when somebody, when somebody, something happens outside, he wants to know who it is and why. He'll let you know what's going on out here. I want to know. Right? That's exactly what he said. I want to know, are you doing this for you or me? I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of preachers. They have their own religious agenda. Are you judging them? Yes, I am. I am. Had conversation with them. Asked some questions. Matter of fact, <laughs> kind of funny. You know, I was already old when God called me to preach. So I didn't want to spend four years in a liberal arts school before I could start studying the, the Bible. And I found there was not a lot of those around. Uh, so God used this guy who was a staunch Baptist. You would have thought he was Charles Spurgeon's son, if you knew who Charles Spurgeon was. I mean, a staunch Baptist. So he said, well, if you're going, this is where you need to go. I never heard of the place, never thought about it. Well, it ended up, that's exactly where God led me, to Dallas, Texas. Because I could start right away. I didn't have to go to other, I could start studying the Bible immediately. And, you know, that's what I wanted. I mean, he was staunch Baptist. I saw him a few years later, and I said, hey, what's going on, Otis? I'll call him Otis. That ain't his name. Because he had changed whole denominations and gone to very, very liberal. I said, what's going on, Otis? He said, and he was honest. I just kind of stumbled on him. I wasn't looking for him. Just happened up on him in Florida, actually. He said, well, you know, I couldn't climb the ladder fast enough in the Baptist circles. I said, oh, well, that's it. He sold out. Well, what's wrong with that? Because he told me what he wanted to do. You know, I said to myself, he just sold out. That's exactly what happens. Is your religious agenda for you or is it something that's for God? That is the whole question about giving, about praying, about fasting. What is it about? Do I want everybody to know it? <laughs> Man, God whips them pretty big in this whole deal. Should you not hear the words of Jehovah cried by the former prophets? You know, the ones that tried to tell you guys before you went into captivity and you didn't listen. He said, wait a minute. You're trying to find out. You didn't respond back then when you should have responded. And you haven't been responding while you've been in captivity. Are you sure you want to know? You know, we're like that, right? Oh, God, we want you to show us. And he says, why? You're not going to do it. Right? Somebody asked me my opinion. I said, why you want to know my opinion? Are you going to act on it? No, I just want to know. I said, then I ain't wasting my time. You know, why would I do that? You know, if my opinion is not any more than that, whatever it's about. <laughs> and the cities there around about are in the south, in the lowland we're inhabited. Go back and read the whole thing. The same question is for us. What is our religious stuff about? I hate to use religious stuff, but it is. You know, the things we do. Is it about us, our agenda? Or is it really to glorify God and see what he wants to do in us and with us and through us? He pointed out the question to these guys they sent to him. I'm sure they were saying, we wish we were not the ones who had come. <laughs> oh, we fasted all these proper days. Did they do it primarily as an act of devotion? That's what he's asking. Or out of some self-centered motivation, the one to feel like they were religious. You know, all of us kind of feel good when we think we've done something, Right? And we really want somebody else to know, even though we don't want to tell them. Isn't it right? Hello? 
Well, that's, that's where we live, right? It may be no more than self-pity or faithlessness to a cultural mandate. They made it a mandate. Second Maccabees, Estradus, it was a mandate. You got, to, you got to fast on these days. It wasn't in the Scripture. And Jesus knows all that. And when it comes up, how much a religious practice was offered to God by them? Zechariah says, oh, no, you missed it. It was about yourself. How much a church is about church? No, really. How much a church is about church and not really about things that God's concerned about? He's concerned about us who are the church, but he's concerned about what we're doing as a church out there. You know, that's what he confronted. What about these people, the poor people? What about this, all this stuff that's going on? He said, you're not paying any attention to that. That's what he accused them of, and that's what he said. Does our religion elevate ritual above morality? <laughs> oh, God understands? No, he doesn't. He expects. Everybody can talk a big game. But we want to know what your family says. How you treating your wife? How you treating your husband? How you treating your mom and dad? How you treating your children? That's the deal. That's what God's concerned about. Do we go through all this ritual stuff and we go to church? And you need to go to church. Sometimes that's the only chance you're going to have to be around somebody who might be trying to do right. Everybody in here today ain't right. You know, I know that and all of you know that. But I'm just glad that we're here. Because at least we're hearing something about God's Word that if you did not come, you're probably not going to get it out there on Google. Or wherever you spend your life, TikTok or Facebook or wherever it is, you're just not going to get it out there. Sometimes you'll see something. I'm just thankful that somebody has enough concern that they're trying. None of us are perfect, right? But when you start talking about a big game, somebody, God wants to know, okay, how is this coming fleshing out in your life? I want to know, how you, I want to know what your wife thinks or your husband thinks or your kids think or your parents. That's the issue, right? Is anything changing? Oh, well, Jesus understands. No, he doesn't. He expects. And that's exactly what God's saying. You knew this, and you didn't act on it. So when they cried out to me, he said, I don't listen. They're playing a game. I'm not listening. That's his burden. That's like Zachariah's burden. <laughs> oh, we want to get church right. Well, get church right is when you're getting your life right. That's how those things coincide together. That's exactly what he talks about. A true moral mind extends to inner reflection in your heart. Don't think evil of each other. That's what he's saying. He said, it's going to affect all your life. Well, you know, God's over here, and work is over here, and family's over here, and they don't all intertwine. Boy, you're messed up. I'll just go ahead and tell you. There are no separate boxes for this thing. A lot of people, and that's exactly what they were doing. Oh, my spiritual life's over here. I'm fast, but I hate these Gentiles, and I surely hate these Samaritans, and all that doesn't go together. And Jesus comes along and said, oh, no. You say you love me and you hate him? You don't love me either. You know, he puts it all together. It's hard, it's hard to separate that stuff. Now, we have to go ahead. Does our religion prompt us passionately to follow God's word or our own little agenda? It's easy to have your own agenda. You know, I'm not a religious political person. Y'all hear what I said? I can be political, but not religious political. You know, there's, there's a lot of things people say, why don't you do that? I said, I ain't got time for that. That's fine. That's not my calling. My calling is, is trying to be out here in the world and try to help people. There's political things that shouldn't even be political things in the religious world. I, I don't agree. I mean, all that, a lot of it's nonsense. 
and it gets caught up and it gets time uh, consuming. Things don't happen. And it's a religious agenda. Everybody has to be careful. Nobody is uh, immune to it. I mean, all of us. That's the question. He said, when I called, they didn't listen. So then when they called, I didn't listen. You know, be careful when you're calling on God. Examine your life first. You know, that's what he says. That's what we learned with praying with David. He said, what if I hide iniquity in my heart? God's not going to hear me when I'm praying. You know, if all this stuff is going on in my life and I'm not even trying to do something about it, why would he listen to me? In true religion, nothing at all is more important than wholehearted, unqualified obedience. That's what God wants. He doesn't want a big game. He doesn't want anything flashy. He wants you doing what God's Word says you're supposed to do. That's what He wants. That's the deal. Anything other than that is religious show. That's what Zechariah said. That's what Isaiah said. That's what Jesus said. The Lord said to me, do not pray for the welfare of the people. Though they fast, I don't listen. Wow. Even, that's pretty serious. Yeah, it is. We need to jump on and at least read the verses down at the end, right? <laughs> Again, you can go back and see this in Maccabees and Exodus where they mandated these, uh, you know, it would be like Baptists telling me, well, if you're going to preach, my goodness, you've got to wear a suit and tie. I said, then I won't preach for you. No, I didn't have to say that. I had some a different denomination of Baptists. They got Baptists in the name, but they don't believe like us. All right? They said, you know what? You can't even preach in our church if you're not ordained. I said, what does that mean? You know. I said, no, what does that mean? They don't know what it means. You know what Charles Spurgeon said about that? You know, Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers ever lived on the earth. He was preaching to 6,000 in the late 1800s. You know what he said? He wasn't ordained. He said that's empty hands on an empty head. Should people recognize somebody and see if God has given them the abilities to do some things? Yes, absolutely. You know, we kind of call that commissioning somebody. But saying, well, you can't preach unless we ordain you, what does that mean? Then Jesus would have never preached. Because the Pharisees didn't ordain him. Why? They didn't think he, he was. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> they made a pretty big joke about on the chosen, you remember? Remember, what's the guy's name who's limping there and he's sitting there when they said, I'm Jesus of Nazareth? And he started laughing. He said, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And all of them looked at him like, I can't believe you said that. It was a nobody place. It'd be like coming from. Well, I couldn't say anything now because I'd be politically incorrect and everybody would crucify me if I named some little place that wasn't some place, right? Like if I named Portal, which is a, a no place, uh, or the Bagall, y'all don't know where that is. That's a no place. Can anything good come out of the Bagall? I did. Not that I'm good, but you, you see what I mean? So what does that mean? Well, and they're my friends. Oh, well, listen to this. Is this crazy? They got a young guy who was, uh, you know, he, he has no formal training of any kind, but their older pastor died, and they said, we want you to fill in. So they let him preach, but he can't stand behind the pulpit. He has to stand down on the floor because he's not ordained. Now, you figure that one out for me. What sense does that make? That's about like what we're talking about here. You're going through some motions that do, does not mean anything. Be careful. 
you better check yourself. I don't care what you're doing. He said, That's, this is exactly what it is. Vows were confirmed. All kind of things were confirmed by this fast. It never was mandated. You know, special days. All kind of things were going on. Let's hurry up and get to the verse. I at least want to read it. Jesus' understanding of fasting is significant in that it represents a shift in the role of fasting. Remember what I said earlier? Jesus grew up in it. So he knew what the mandates were. He probably had to do them, saw the hypocrisy of it, and he has to come out of it. And when he changes everything, you remember they accuse you. Well, John the Baptist and his disciples, they fast twice a day, and you and your guys don't. That's when it started. And then he went over their head pretty quick. He said, well, if the bridegroom's here, why you want? They, didn't, they never got the bridegroom thing until long after uh, the church had started. They didn't realize he was the Messiah and how all that came together. But that's exactly what he does in the verses. He tries to explain it. His mature teaching about fasting broke from the rabbinic tradition that had been there a long, 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 long time. Do you know how traditions die hard? Well, we've always done it that way. Isn't it right? You start asking somebody. I remember the first time I questioned something. As a pretty young believer, even though I was not very young, I was 18 and 19 in our home church. I said, why are we doing this? Well, those older people looked at me like, who do you think you are questioning this? I said, well, I just don't see this in the Scripture. I said, I, I just don't see that there. And, and the thing they were wanting to do really had no biblical uh, validation behind it. I wasn't being ugly. I just said, how do you get that? So when you start doing that, someone's not going to like it, Right? When you start telling the truth, somebody's not going to like it. Like Jason Aldean. Somebody ain't going to like it. Why? Is he telling the truth or not? Oh, yeah. I mean, exactly. CMT, I discount them. If you've ever had anything to do with them, they're a bunch of woke liberals, too. See what they did to him after that went. What happened to his song after that went to number one? The truth. Jesus was telling the truth. He said, this ain't the way it's supposed to be. If you went back to the beginning and the fasting and looked through the whole thing, what we tried to do is do real quickly, it wasn't in there. They, they made this together. They made this up. Oh, we have to do it this way. And Jesus said, no, that ain't right. Now, that's what happens when you, when you test tradition sometimes. All, not all tradition's bad. And I'm not saying that. Some of, it, some of it gets into what we're talking about. It starts out good, but it loses, and it becomes something that it never was supposed to be, so you need to destroy that and get back to the main focus two accounts relating to jesus fasting are important his temptation in the wilderness what is he doing he's fasting there's a reason for that and it's teaching about fasting on the sermon on the mount in which we're looking now let's go ahead to the verses i'm not going to even get to read those How about that there's a lot in between here if you want to go to the website it doesn't cost you something you can print it out or you can uh or you can read it online either way where is the verse? It's Matthew chapter 6, verse 18. It's got to be somewhere. There it is. Moreover, when you fast, he's assuming you're going to. Is he saying you have to? Nope. It's not a mandate. He's pretty sure there's going to come something in your life when you're going to really need to focus on him and what's going on. So he says, when that comes, when you fast, when you do it, don't be a hypocrite. You know, you know what they would do, right? Jesus already said, you know, 
because it was supposed to be a brokenness, you know, they would put ashes on their face and they'd dishevel their clothes and they wouldn't put on their makeup and they wouldn't put on their right deter- their deodorant so they smelled and they just looked like they'd really been watering in it so everybody would respect them. That's what it did. You know, that's what they were doing. They wanted everybody to see how religious they were. He said, don't be like that. Don't be a sad countenance. What does he say? For they disfigure their faces that they may seem to be fasting. It was a fake. It was hypocritical. I say to you, that's the only reward they're going to get. If somebody pats him on the back because he said God's not listening to them, they might as well not be fasting. But when you fast, anoint your head. You know all these things? Wash your hair. Put on deodorant. Look spry. Look in a way that nothing is different in your life because no one needs to know you're fasting. When you're fasting and no one knows it, you're on the right track. When you're fasting and you want everybody to know it, you might as well have quit because you just lost it. That's what he says. That you will not be seen in men first. But if the Father was in secret, he's the one that's going to see you. When nobody else sees you, then something can happen. It's a put on. There's a lot of religious put on to this day. And if we're not careful, we're not immune to it. We'll do the same thing. That's why we have to constantly watch it. Not only are we doing the right thing, we're doing the right thing for the right reason. So in order to do that, you've got to check yourself. When you start to do something, wait a minute. What is this really about? Why am I really doing this? What's the whole purpose behind this? He criticizes those who fast hypocritically in order to attract attention. <laughs> he tells people to give alms to pray and fast in ways that are visible to only God. Now, sometimes you may be fasting and somebody finds out, okay, if that happens, but you don't publicize it. If you're going out with some people that day and this happens to be the day you're fasting, don't say, well, I can't eat today because I'm fasting. You just say, I can't go today. They don't have to know. Only you and God knows. And, you know, people, they do that. Well, I can't eat today because I'm fasting. Well, you don't have to tell me. Just tell me you can't eat today. What did they just do? Draw attention to themselves. Oh, oh, that is great. I'm so glad you're spiritual. Now he's starting to get self-righteous. And before long, he's going to do it, and he's going to start making everybody know that he's doing it. So he's just lost it, or she's just lost it. That's what he said. Don't do that. God's the only one that needs to know this stuff. He's the only one that knows that you're broken about what's going on, and he's, he'll see and hear, and he will respond if you're doing it for the right reason. Isn't that bad? Not only do you have to do the right thing, you have to do it for the right reason. Well, that's no fun. I just want to do it where everybody can see it. That's exactly what they were doing. Jesus said, oh, no, no, that's not the way it works. God's looking through your heart. He knows when you're a sham or not. And he's not going to put up with shams. He's not going to answer you, number one. We need to pray. Thank the Lord he forgives us, eh? Let's not be hypocrites. Let's just be truth livers. It's going to cost you, though. Lord, thank you for the truth of your word. As Paul said, boy, it, it cuts right down to our heart. Father, help us test ourselves, see ourselves, check ourselves. Make sure whatever we're doing is for you and not a religious show. Father, we thank you that you'll trust us, you'll help us. Help us call in some of our brothers and sisters to help us. Hold us accountable in those areas. 
so that you'll be glorified and that people's lives will be changed. Not for any kind of show, but simply for your glory. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.